Thank you so much for staying with us. Now, this part of the show, we're going to be discussing books. Usually we discuss books and we review books, but we're having a broader conversation today. And it's about independent publishing and self-publishing. Now, in studio, I have got Tabiso Matlape, who is a founder of Blackboard Books. She's in studio with me. Good afternoon, Tabiso. Hello, Pamela. And in our Pretoria studio, I have Vangi Lehansu, who is also a publisher of lots of wonderful things, poetry being one of those, and also co-founder of Impepo Press. She joins us from our Cape Town studio. Good afternoon and thank you so much for joining us, Vangi Thank you for having me, Pamela. Hi, Tabisa. Hello, Vangi. <laughs> so, so you have very interesting journeys um, of independent publishing. And, and I'm going to start with, with you, Vangi, because your journey is slightly different to Tabi. So you kind of went in it full on, all by yourself. I'm, I'm not sure how many years you've been at this for, but how has it been going? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, it's, it's quite a challenge. So Impepo Press is almost two years old. Um, and it's a team of me, Sarah Godsell, and Tanya Pretorius. And um, we decided that we wanted, I mean, there were very specific kind of stories that we were looking for. We were looking for um, women who who weren't appendages of other people's stories, women who were deeply themselves, and we wanted to hear their stories. And so um, we decided that we were either going to write them or we were going to make space for them to exist. And so that's, um, I think that's that was the the driving force behind Impepo Press. So, so yours, Tabiso, has been inevitable. So this journey has been coming, and it's finally here. I yeah. don't know if you've actually said anything to anybody, but we now know you are going fully independent. Yes, we are. Yay! <laughs> so mine, congratulations. Mine, thanks, baby. So mine is a bit different because um, I mean, ten years ago, so I've been in publishing now for a decade. Come this July, so I came in as an intern, 2010 um, July. And honestly, business and entrepreneurship were never part of the deal at that point. I was just lucky to even have gotten a job after, you know, graduating and sitting for two years. So mine has been like, you know, employed then doing the incubation with Jacona Media. And then now, um, you know, because you reach a ceiling. So the, the, the imprint and incubation came because I'd reached a ceiling as an employed um, uh, publisher and then the incubation. And then now that's also run its course. And now this is just the next best step to take. Why is it the next best step to take? Look, so as an imprint um, of something, you are meant to have an identity. Um, and which the the identity for Blackbird came about because of the work I'd already been doing at Jocana Media. So my focus had already been very quickly like um, black writers, um, you know, telling their stories. So Blackbird books made sense in that regard. But now when you are a, an identified part of something bigger, you can't now start within that one identity, start forming smaller identities mm. so now in in the you know interest of spreading our wings as it were to fly uh one is finding i'm, f- I'm kind of feeling a little constricted in terms of what i can do where i can take blackbird so being independent means that now it can start functioning as a full house and we can start you know taking liberties with 
what we, we publish. Bangi, I mean, you, you, you laid out earlier what it is you were trying to achieve. And there's always been this argument around who whose commercial interest is this, right? Mm. And you had a specific market in mind. You had a specific target. You wanted to propel a specific voice. Mm. And commercially, how has that been going? Um. I would say, well, I mean, better than what people had told us that we would be doing. You know what I mean? Um, and so we were told that nobody buys poetry. We were told that, um, you know, you, these like the kind of books that 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 we were, were looking at weren't necessarily um, sellable. But we found that a lot of people are hungry for these kind of stories and being hungry for them. Um, They've been they've been waiting and they were ready and they found us um, and they support us and so we do I I feel like we're doing really well um, we we've we've got a, a great following and people are incredibly supportive and our books are really selling um, so we're growing you know I'm I'm really happy and I'm proud of us I think so Tabi so you know from a commercial point of view it's it's been interesting because you almost are as well as Vangi you were at the forefront of establishing a particular readership yeah and 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 standing your authority and saying no they exist mm. no they do read no yeah. they buy books though they are interested what have you since learned about that cons- that that specific uh, constituency i'm going to call it constituency so i mean what i know for sure is that you cannot continue to publish outside of that constituency and then carry on to label them. Mm. So when I arrived in publishing, like I said, the general, you know, um, thing was that black people didn't read. Yeah. So uh, publishing houses set and, you know, commissioning meetings were really uh, targeted at um, white middle-aged women. Mm. You know, the kind of, um, you know, people that used to listen to a certain mm. kind of broadcaster. Mm. Mm. And, and, and so when I did um, My Father, My Monster, I think that's when the shift happened in the country completely um, because you know here was a story that spoke um, about um, you know a certain part of the population but without it wasn't like a a dissecting look it was here's my story I know you will find resonance I know you will find yourselves in it and boy did people find themselves and that moment for me said this is what needs to happen. And I was having a bit of a crisis uh, myself in the in the workplace because I was I, I was kind of feeling, you know, like, am I ever going to get it right? Am I ever going to find the books? Because you find established publishers at, at, at the workplace and they kind of know these people. You know, there's a fantonder there, duplicy there. And I don't know those people. I don't have a means to getting to those people to get. So even if I had this great idea and I wanted to commission someone, how do I, because I'm not part of those dinner you know dinner party conversations so my father my monster which found me um you know blessed was um was for me the turning point to say well you don't have to go you know chasing waterfalls mm. just stick to the rivers that you know you know like the stories mm. that you know um the story the stories that feel intimate to you the stories you resonate with mm. and really that's that's how it all started and and for you vangi you know for me the the decision to even publish uh, vernacular was a huge 
huge one for you because here once again was a community of people who everybody says no 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 you know there's just no market there are six mm. maybe five who will buy that book but really you have completely eliminated a huge section of this market and it's not commercially viable your experience of that so we haven't um, published any um, books in indigenous languages yet. Um, we are looking at a specific, we're headhunting a specific poet um, who writes beautifully in a specific language. I don't want to, to jinx it. But um, I think I think that one one thing that Prof. Khosetzile said is when you tell the story of a genuine human emotion truthfully and sincerely, then all things human will resonate with it somehow. And I think that is our guiding principle, um, is that we are trying to find honest stories, well-told stories. And regardless of the language, regardless of the genre, we want to tell those stories. And we believe that that human the, the, the human spirit will resonate and will follow. Um, and so far, it's working for us. So there is that, and you two being the professionals that you are, and then there is also just a new era, an mm. influx of just, just about anything and everything. How do you reflect on that? Tabitha's so <laughs> looking at me and she's thinking, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's what we need. Really? Firstly. Okay. It's what we need. You know, with a country like us where everything, when it, like when it comes to black people, so the doors have only just slightly started opening, right? So if you've had a lot of people behind that door trying mm. to come in, when you open it, yeah. it's like Black Friday. I get it. It's like Black Friday yeah, with I the sales. It. And every single one of those stories and those books deserve to be there the look we mm. we deserve an industry that is so big that is so lucrative that even the bad books are okay sure bangi your reflection on that i think that um you know when chimamanda said the danger of a single story yeah. um what like what what she was saying was that there are so many different people and there are so many different voices that we need to be able to have space for all of those voices. And so the more um, the more um, Vangilas and Tabisos and Zaz um, exist, the, the, the bigger the space for each voice to be able to find a home. So if you can't find a, a home in Beppo Press, you can find a, a home in Blackbird or you can find a, play, um, a home in Black Letter Media. Whichever, like as in the, the, the point is for as many stories as there are, there must be homes and we must create these homes. Are you both saying that there aren't private conversations happening in spaces that are not public about the standard? Hmm, the standard. Look, that's going to happen. But you know, my theory with that, Pamelo, is that even when my, some of my publishing decisions, right, are based solely on the fact that black people aren't as confident, mm. um, they aren't as honed where skill is concerned yeah. um, in this literary space, especially because our, our entire idea and knowledge of what a book is is very Eurocentric, right? Our entire beings, stories, and lives have had to conform to the Western idea of what a book and what a story looks, feels like, 
right? So if you've got this, these really talented people, and talent is something that you can spot in someone even though their work is unrefined. So some of the publishing decisions that I make are if I take this young man and I give him a platform that says you're a writer, establish that, understand that, believe that you are a writer. And then you can start saying, okay, what I need you to do with your writing is this. It's a different conversation to finding someone where they're talented and you say, oh, yeah, it would have been great, but I think just try again later, right? So I think, yes, those conversations are starting, but in this country where you've got, like, me and, like, Vangi and two other people mm. visible as black publishers, right? So even the other people that, are, that call themselves publishers but aren't, they're just really, like, yes, yes. printing or yes. doing whatever. Yeah. We, if, if it means that some of those people, so if out of those 10 people, some of those people are going to invest in, 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 in say, graduating into becoming real publishers, okay. then, I mean, by all means. Because what we can't have is we can't have every time, today I'm very happy because now there's me and Van on the line, mm -hmm. right? But we can't have that every time um, a media house wants to interview a black publisher about Tabi Sumashab. That is, it's not, not in this country. You know, so and if you look at my own journey, for example, I publish in English, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there was like two, three years ago, I couldn't take the risk. I'm a, I was already taking the risk by publishing yeah. debut writers, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm not going to carry a double risk of publishing now in indigenous languages. Yeah. So you tell me there's a readership, great stuff, but can someone test it? Because mm -hmm. I'm already testing this one thing, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a business at the end of the day. It's not charity. Mm -hmm. So now that other people are coming in, they're publishing in indigenous, la indigenous languages and they're establishing that market. Now I can, I can do that. We're having a conversation with two phenomenal publishers, Vangi Khansu, uh, who is based in our Cape Town studios at the, at the moment, and then Tabi Somaklape, who's in studio with us. And listen, just join in this conversation because many of you, I get number of emails coming through. How can I publish? How can I publish? 0891-104-207. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.9 FM in Port Elizabeth. We're discussing independent publishing and uh, I couldn't have asked for better guests. Vangi Hansu, who, by the way, Vangi, I had shipped you all the way to Cape Town. Now you're in Pretoria, aren't you? <laughs> yes, and Tabi Somachapi is with me. It's Ganjo. <laughs> oh, Ganjo, I beg your yes. pardon. And Tabi Somachapi, thank you so much for both of you being part of this conversation. So let's have an honest conversation about what you wish we knew about your world before we start knocking at your door, Tabi there isn't money. <laughs> there isn't money to, to, to create these books and it's because of how the ecosystem is set up, right? I The shock on right, like authors' faces when I tell them that if a book that is sitting in a shop at 100 rands, I'm only getting back like 38 rand or so of that and from that we must pay production and then we must pay the royalties. Because you see, you see, writers like to go online and complain about, uh, yeah, publishers are making like a proverbial lion share, um, and they're giving us peanuts. We're all making peanuts out of this. If mm. you if you if you remember that retail is taking on average about forty seven percent discount, which is half of the retail price, right? And then there's VAT, and and so it's there's no money, mm. but it, it, not to say it's hopeless. 
it isn't because if we were hopeless, I would have, you know, quit and, and gone back home to my dad. It's not hopeless, but we, we need to work together. And I always tell people, it's really as, as just a, like a person on the street, right? Someone listening here. It's really as simple as the next time you are at the bookshop and you're buying your favorite American author or your favorite English author. If you've got it, I'm not saying don't spend money on your favorite writers, but if you've got a little bit of extra cash, just buy a local book. Bangi, your reflections on that? Um, I I actually also want to touch back on um, what Utabisa was saying earlier about um, just uh, you know the 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 book being very Eurocentric and how yes. um, like the issue of standards. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think I agree and I disagree with her. I'm a firm believer of waiting until your time is right, and by that I mean that if you see someone if i see someone who has potential or who has really great talent i would rather put in the work and the time and and even if it takes two years or three years to get the story right and to to make the story of a good quality i i i can't bring myself to compromise on quality because we say that it's a euro set the, the, that books are eurocentric if we are in the business of making books then how do we make books um, Afrocentric, but also understand that we're not going to compromise quality because we're saying that this is something that is not indigenous to us. Writing and storytelling is something that is indigenous to us. And so how do we then adapt what is indigenous and make it modern? How do we then, you know, without compromising quality? And so for me, um, I, 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 I can't, I can't accept, um, so, so how feasible is that, Vanki? I mean, can you afford to actually do that? I mean, look, we're still young, so we have the we have the optimism of youth behind us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I know that Tabisa <laughs> has been in this yeah. business for much longer than us, and so she she knows the the hardships that that we have to face, and so. Um, you know, I, when she says that there's no money, she's not lying. You know, we're we're really not making money from this. But at the moment, um, we're really about uh, just trying. You know, we we we're experimenting. We're seeing what how other publishers are doing it, and we we have some ideas on how we would like to do it. And all we can do is try. You know, so. It, it may not seem feasible, but we have to give it a shot. But, but Tabisa, you've had the experience of a mistake really causing reputational damage. So I, I also understand it's almost like you cannot make the mistake. As a black, a black publisher, your room for failure is just so much less than those established publishers. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to clarify that when I meant about uh, the taking someone on because they have talent yes. I was really talking about a global stage yeah. because uh, our writing here locally isn't is it it's it's going there but it isn't quite on a global stage yet so what I'm saying is um, you have to take on someone if, that you believe is going to be a Hillary Mantle for example mm -hmm. yeah. not I wasn't talking about the quality of the product in Correct. front of you yeah okay. so um, yeah I mean the mistakes no 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 I'm just saying in the sense that what what what's at stake? Oh, it's a lot. It's, it's I a mean, lot more mm. than someone who can afford, you know, to make a mistake. It is, and it's also like the people that you have to to deal with and negotiate with yeah. that mm. are not part of who you 
where you come from mm -hmm. and are not part the part mm -hmm. of the people you're trying to represent mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it's 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 almost as though and i remember when i started blackbird like this person said to me and i'm not going to say their name on air but yep. this person who's a very big part of the industry um flipped through a book in front of me and said i mean this thing is rubbish Right. And but by this thing, he was referring to the imprint. It had just launched um, in 2015. Mm. And he said, well, I mean, this is rubbish. We'll see where it ends up. Right. So it's sometimes it's almost as if um, people want you to fail so they can say, we told you there's no room for this. Mm. But mm. I mean, we carry on and you can't concentrate on those people. There's, um, you know, for every one of those people, there's like a lot of black people wanting you to succeed. You know, to both of you, thank you for being brave enough to tell our stories because it does mm. take that. You know, I think it's very nice when we have the party and the launches, but a lot that goes behind that we don't discuss and, no. and reflect on. And it is a tough journey and it's tough for us to request for you to continue doing what you're doing. Mm. But it's almost like we expect you to. If that makes any sense. Oh, it's a, it is a thankless job. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's it's really rather thankless. It's, it's it's also it's also deeply rewarding to know that um, when when history looks back, when people look back, they're going to have heard the story from the horse's mouth. We will not be told through other people's voices. We will we will exist in our own words, and I think that's really powerful. And so mistakes and all, whether we were crawling to the finish line or whether we're walking or running, Oksala and that's what's important. Fangile Kancho, poet and uh, also co-founder of Mpepo Press. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Tabiso Matlape, thank you very, very much for coming in. Thank you. Founder of Blackbird Books. Listen, you know, it's onwards and upwards. We yes. cannot wait. We really <laughs> cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you very, very thank much you. for that. That conversation will be available as the podcast. So coming up on Maschabam Dollar's show this afternoon, ESCOM has just announced stage four load shedding from 2 p.m. this afternoon. And the uh, Pretoria High Court has ruled that President Ramaphosa did not mislead Parliament on the CR17 campaign. That and more coming up. It's almost three o'clock. But before that, let's do this.